to Sin City with Nick Manessis and Dane McLean. Live chat about everything cinema, from new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you movie lovers. Live for CMRU.ca. And now, to the men behind the mic. to another episode of CC with enemy DM and our good pal JW. Yes. How are you doing? Good. Very good. This too is bad. a... Too bad. Thanks for coming on again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yes. God, you could make it. Thank you guys for your um, arrival here. But... <laughs> Yes, but before we jump into today's topic, how are you guys doing? Like, we're almost towards the end of the year. Crazy, huh? How things fly by so fast. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's been really uh, weird last few months. Yeah, mm-hmm. getting weirder as we're quarantining longer. Oh, yeah. I think definitely, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. We're almost at a year now. Okay. Almost a year of being at home. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, not as bad as you'd expect from movies like The Shining and other, you know, isolated type movies, but we're surviving. That's, that's good. That's true, yeah. Very it's not cool. like The Lighthouse, which is good. <laughs> that's right, yeah. And how are classes going, guys? For me, it's been pretty good, actually. Um, almost done, like, two or three weeks left in my current semester, which is pretty nice. Ooh, and it's nice. all swell there. Nice, man. It's good to hear. How about you, Big D? <laughs> yeah, it's going well. I'm almost finished uh, another week. I'll be done. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be nice to be getting some holiday time soon. Yeah, definitely. Good. Same for me too. Yeah, we're almost there. Hopefully, yeah, things will go very good since you know about since they found the vaccine in London. So, I think we're looking towards a more brighter year for sure. I think so. I think so. But hey there. Yeah. So now that that's out of the way, let's get to today's topic. Today we'll be discussing one of. Canada's most gifted and influential filmmakers, Denis Villeneuve. I've recently been getting into a lot of his films this quarantine, and I couldn't have known the man better if it wasn't for my friends at the RTGM. Thank you, guys. So, this man, like, what are your guys' thoughts on him? Like, he is probably my favorite Canadian filmmaker ever. Probably the only one I know so far. So, your thoughts? Let's start with you, Dane. Oh, Danny Villeneuve. I hope I'm saying his name right. Villeneuve. Yeah, Villeneuve, I think. Um, just botch his name right at the get-go. Yeah, he's, he's probably in my top, top 10 overall, I would say. Nice, man. In the last few years. Um, as far as Canadian directors go, also probably top three, top two. Him and um, Xavier Dolan, I think, are the Ooh. most talented directors in Canada. Uh, you know, Denis Villeneuve has done 
much bigger budget films and, and that it's quite inspiring um, compared to like your average Canadian director not that you know you have to make big budget films to be that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things but his big budget films are really really good which is which is what uh, is impressive I mean Blade Runner 2049 mm-hmm. critically acclaimed um, Cesario critically acclaimed but I, I'm kind of I like even his lesser like not as big of a production as as those films like for example Incendies and um, Prisoners and yes. Enemy those films are some of my favorites of the decade so I just love the man oh yeah yeah definitely he really made this decade a worthy one for all of cinema I'd say and how about you Jonas you've been getting into his films this week too in preparation for this episode what are your thoughts on yeah. DV uh, I'd agree he's also one of my top directors like a lot of that is because he's Canadian it's just really cool to have a Canadian director making really big movies I'm also uh, super excited for his Dune, which I've also been reading to get. So, yeah, I really like him as a director, and it's great to have a Canadian director directing Dune. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the man, he clearly loves science fiction, so he was a great, scratch that, the only perfect choice to direct this film. Look no further than Arrival or Blade Runner 2049. This man really has what it takes to make it a worthy adaptation and a great film to start off the 2020s in spectacular fashion, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And after that, I think he has uh, another film lined up already. Cleopatra will be another film that he'll be really tackling. So that's, wow. That'll be interesting after Dune. I don't know when that'll come out. But yeah, Dune and Cleopatra, these are going to be, uh, both of them will be big, I think. Do you know if that's going to be after, because Dune is going to be split into two parts, I'm pretty sure. Is Mm -hmm. the Cleopatra one going to be after the second Dune or before? Do you know that? Hmm, I think it's, I don't know for sure, but it might be, maybe, I have no idea. Hmm, it's a good question, though. Yeah. Maybe after the first Dune. That makes, yeah, that makes sense. I think but so. But that would be clear, that, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering if, because I don't know what this film Cleopatra will be about. I'm not too sure. Like, obviously, by the name, you get some ideas, but, um, like, for example, I don't know in, in, like, what context it's going to be done, so this is interesting. You think it might be a retelling of, you know, Queen Cleopatra, the Queen of Egypt, like an epic? Yeah, like, I think it, like, is it, like, a re, is it, like, a revision of the original Cleopatra, or is it, like, something brand new, or, I'm really curious i don't know but yeah the original one that that's pretty dated already so like but it still stands pretty well so i'm excited to see what what he can do oh yeah definitely and aside from his films i found his story to be very like what drove him into the film industry to be very intriguing he was a proud canadian and he wanted to play hockey but 
this, he was not very good at it. So he found another passion, cinema. In fact, one of his, his three biggest influences to make films are Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 2001, A Space Odyssey, and of course, Blade Runner. The man really loves his films a lot. And I also relate to him in a way, because you see, despite me being born an Argentinian, I was not very in touch with my national sport, which was soccer. So instead, I took to cinema as my one true passion instead. And thus, I guess we can say the rest is history for sure. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really... Yeah, that's a- Fascinating story for for Denis Villeneuve. Who would ever imagine? That's it's pretty different from what you would imagine. But yeah, it just shows like every every um, director their their story is so different. Every person has a different path, and you never know. Exactly. You just never know. Yeah, and that's and that surprisingly is also one of his many themes, his trademarks as a filmmaker that the main character is searching for something, searching for answers about themselves, just as we, the audiences, are. He, and he really, Villeneuve really does a great job of doing that with the color palette, the cinematography, how the color changes as the character is heading into another world, learning more about themselves and solving the puzzle. Genius filmmaking, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's start you, with. Sorry. Yeah, me, sorry, you go first. You go first. <laughs> so, I was going to say that's that's really uh, clear in um, Prisoners, I would say, as well, with Arrival. Exactly what you just said. And, and also Enemy. Those, those three films are like very exemplary of what you just talked about. Yes. Oh, yes. One of his. The earliest film of his I've seen, which is Polytechnique is one of the most difficult viewing experiences I've ever had. And I can say the same for everyone who's watched this film. Um, if you guys have seen it, what were your thoughts on it? Mm. Sorry, maybe Jonas, if you... I haven't seen it. Oh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I haven't either. Um, I, I've always wanted to. Like, I know a lot about it. I've seen, I've seen some uh, scenes from it, but... I know it's a really important film, though. I, I need to get around to it. Mm, no. So um, it's, based, it's a, based on a true story about a school shooting that took place in Polytechnic, a high school in Toronto, which was instigated by a misogynist man. And aside from the film being just a, well, a very realistically violent flick, it also delivers an important message about how hate will never triumph during this time. And if we stay connected and always look past those strategies, we can become stronger with the power of love. I think that's a very relevant message for today. So this film was really ahead of its time, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah. I think um, Polytechnique was it. Was it Montreal or was it? I think it might have been Montreal, right? Uh, I, yeah, it's um, a university. I think in Montreal. Montreal. I, oh, yeah. I know that was referenced in um, 
in uh, Mommy, Xavier Dolan's Mommy, which is, takes place in Montreal. Ooh. French Quebec uh, filmmaker, which it's interesting because it's like, it's referenced as like part of the context of that story because it takes place in like the, I think it's supposed to be, um, when the shooting was. So that would have been like the 80s, late 80s or early 90s. And uh, so that that's obviously a really big um, tragedy in Quebec's history. So it's Denis Villeneuve being from, from Quebec. Like it's the story that um, I think he, he knew he needed to tell and really uh, bring to light these horrible acts of violence and yeah. how to overcome such a tragedy, right? So it's amazing. I'm really, really a uh, fan of him having... That's, that's kind of like his break, his breakthrough film that Once. really got him like the attention that he deserves. As a matter of fact, yeah. Yeah, it was. Was like he directed two previously French films that were probably his very underrated, but this one it wasn't until his third feature film that he got into the map, sure. Yeah, and that would continue in the following year with 2010's On Sandy. I remember you saying it was one of your favorite films, international films of the past decade. Your thoughts, man. Definitely in my top 10 of, of the decade for um, Canadian plus international films. Um, yeah, I saw it at the beginning, uh, according to like in March, and that was really still sticks out as one of the best films I've seen. Um, my girlfriend recommended it to me like three years ago, and it took me three years to get to it, but she said like it's one of his best films, and I, yeah, I totally agree. It's also probably one of the best definitely one of the best international films but also one of the best Canadian films like I'd say top five or I don't know where I have it on my list but it's it's really it's, it's also one of the best films in general I think of the decade like beyond just Canada US international just globally one of the best films of the last 10 years and uh, wow there's so much to say about that film <laughs> um, have you before we get to that, um, have you seen it, uh, Jonas on Sunday, released in 2010? I, I haven't gone around to that one yet, no. Uh, no worries, man. Oh, you definitely ought to. It's so, it's so good. It's yes. um, pretty long. Well, actually, no, it's not that long, but it's it's a long it's a long story. Like it's a, it's a big scope of like uh, um, I don't know, 30 years or so, or 20 years in the story and um, takes place kind of between Canada and uh, the Middle East. I think it was shot in Lebanon. I oh, I have uh, definitely heard about, this is when they, yeah, yeah, I definitely heard about this one then. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a heavy movie, but I mean, it's the twist at the end, without spoiling it, it's unbelievable. I'll definitely check it out. It's very available on Prime Video, by the way, and it's a very powerful tale about motherhood, about how a mother is willing to fight through the odds just to save her two children. And you're right, it's really a heavy film as well. And I believe, if correct me if I'm mistaken, but didn't Radiohead compose the soundtrack for this film as well? They used they used this track um, "You and Whose Army." It, that wasn't made for the film. It was it was from an album from two thousand one, Amnesiac, this the Radiohead album. But they the directors 
like they used it as like the main theme of the, the, the movie throughout I think it plays it plays probably like five or more times at, at key points in the movie mm-hmm. and really builds up this atmosphere that's just like the same as the song like it's this epic song that builds up from the slow sort of just piano and then just this unbelievable climax of the song so it's really similar to the, the structure of the movie which is awesome oh. and I was wrong sorry it was actually shot in Jordan in the Middle East not in Lebanon but it was supposed to be Lebanon I think like Beirut or something um, in the store but it wasn't shot there but yeah it's it's really it's it's, um, it's beautiful like the cinematography is unbelievable the, the shots of the desert landscape and mm-hmm. um, the well just everything all the all of the shots are amazing but it's the acting I think that really sets it apart from other films oh, the yeah. performance from um, I think her name Lubna Azabel um, the main actress of the, of the film she's incredible in it oh yeah definitely for sure yeah I feel like and this was before a time when Denise Villeneuve's films were more down-to-earth, low-budget, without any big space pods or Blade Runners. And it really delivered in every aspect, I'd say, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's one of those movies, I think, you, you have to see it, like, once in your lifetime. And it might be too heavy to watch a second time, but I think you have to. Agreed. Yeah, and but I would watch it again. I would watch it again. Definitely, me too. Absolutely. And to those who are unaware, it's the story um, about two twin siblings who travel to uh, what was it? Um, Pakistan, uh, Iran, Afghanistan. Uh, so I think it's supposed to be Lebanon, close to Lebanon. Ah, it's so sort of that part of the Middle East. Yeah. I see. So they head there to Lebanon to. Uh, find some information about their missing mother who apparently had a third child very probably one of his most underrated films I'd say oh it's it's one of the most underrated films I think in in general like the fact that uh, this sort of story was made and it's so it's such a layered story it's such it's such an important film in the sense of um you know it touches on the horrors of war right and like the stories that people don't really explicitly tell once they've left a a place that is in war they've moved on and trying they've tried to build a new maybe happier life in another part of the world and sort of the mystery of what was in the past for these types of people that had to escape such horrible situations in their home countries, right? Definitely. So it's yeah. it really it really just brings to light the the things that you would never imagine people have went through in their past. Oh no, definitely. Yeah. And uh, of course, in this way, it's just an absolutely tragic and um, shocking reveal as to who the person that actually committed this horrible um, who committed these horrible acts against her it's really unbelievable I, I don't want to spoil it but the reveal of who it is it's just oh my goodness oh yeah you'll yeah. never um, never be able to I guess you won't you won't look at the movie the same way like from the surface again because of how dark that is once it's revealed definitely yeah 
Ah, uh, yeah, and I agree with you. It's not an easy viewing experience, but it's definitely, definitely worth watching for sure for its emotional impact, story, and beautifully, beautifully shot cinematography as well. So yeah, agree. And this came out in 2010 too. It was a great way to start the decade off on a high note as well, I'd say. Oh yeah, very high, very high note. Yeah, I love the film, how it contrasts just, you know, there's the life in Quebec and the life in Middle East and the, just the timeline, how they, there's like the parallels and everything and how there's, I like, I like the flashbacks. I like film, I like films that do this, that sort of, sort of reveal more of the past as the present progresses and it's, it flips back and forth naturally and it, it just, it's very seamless, I think. Agreed. Yeah. And um, really, all you really all that you all you need is just a film that can explore such a topic and and do it without do it without convoluting things, which it doesn't do at all. It very it, it's while it is like complicated the storyline, it isn't. Conf- I don't think confusing when you're watching it, and it's it's really easy to follow despite despite the a large scope of it so oh yeah definitely hi sorry about that <laughs> no worries I'm having okay I'm having some connection issues so I switched to a hotspot on my phone that so it might be a little uh, iffy but hopefully it works out sorry about that oh no worries man no, no worries. worries it's all good it's all good it's okay. is, that, is that a real background or no it <laughs> <laughs> looks really cool that looks really that it was a real room at first yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Got the perfect room. I was like, wow, that's a that's a really different room that you went to. <laughs> and we were just talking about incendies and uh, just the storyline mostly, but um yeah, what Nick, what were you gonna say? I forget, sorry, I kinda cut into you. Oh no worries, man. Um is that Villeneuve was, after Ansandi, Villeneuve was just getting started. After that, he would struggle gold again with Enemy. No, not me, like Enemy, the movie. <laughs> so, so, Jonas, you've recently watched Enemy in preparation for this episode as well. What did you think of it? Pretty trippy, huh? Yeah, that movie I really, really love. I re-switched it to my top three once it... Once it, uh, once I watched it, wow, rejoice, man! The ending, especially, just uh, really got me. I wasn't expecting that at all. And like right after, I just watched a bunch of videos explaining what happened, like different interpretations of the film. But yeah, definitely my top three after that. Nice, man. Yeah, like David Lynch, who is probably the master of surreal art, would be kind of impressed and jealous that this isn't his movie because this film is a mind screw from start to finish mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I remember when I saw it for the first time it was really just one of those movies that was on TV and it was probably this was like 2015 um, around like this time in like around December or January and it was just like one of those things I'm like I, I'll just try this movie I think I kind of looked it up and I saw that it was Canadian it was, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal he's one of one of the best I think in, in the in the industry and so I was really excited and then um, 
I didn't expect much from it. I didn't know what to expect. And then I, I was really given like one of the best movies of the decade, in my opinion, just by total chance. Like I didn't, I didn't expect it to be. And yeah, like it, it's one of those films you have to watch um, more than once to understand. Mm-hmm. But also, yes, yes, definitely, definitely look at analysis on um, on YouTube because those really help to to contextualize everything. Okay, this is what they're trying to say with with this symbol. This is the whole idea of. Of like this is what the the original writer was inspired by, influenced by, by these other references. So all of those things really help piece it together, and, and you're really, I think it's it's hard not to love this movie once oh. you understand it. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. True art can sometimes be incomprehensible, and Enemy has proven that to us for sure. And <laughs> what did you think? Like, what did you think the ending? Uh, Symbolize. What are your guys' interpretations on it? Let's start with you, Jonas. Um, from the videos I watched, the one that made the most sense was that the spider at the end represents like females in general in his life because he has problem with commit commitment in all of his relationships, and that kind of and like the image of the spider woman walking down the hallway. Basically, in the interpretation, it said that the spider at the end kind of represents uh, just like females in his life and the lack of commitment he has and how he's because when he found the key, he said he was going to go. He had to go somewhere. And that's when the wife um, turned into the spider at the end. And that's why I think it represents women. That's what the video described that I watched. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, that's exactly the same analysis I I watched, and um, yeah, I think like it's it's really, in my opinion, yeah, it's it's really just like the psyche of this character, right? Just his um, like it's funny because you could you could still take the movie as uh, like literal. You could say, oh, there's an actual invasion of like aliens fighting. Like it's like so ambiguous that it doesn't tell you what to think, which I love. Like, I mean, if someone that's really, like, sci-fi watched it, they might say, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But um, but there is the, the surreal side, too, where it's, it's not really, not everything in the movie is, is real, or even the world is sort of, like, so dystopian and um, sort of not not of this world, even though it's clearly, like, Toronto. Mm-hmm. And it's Canadian, so you can tell that, okay, this is Toronto, but they, they film it in such a way it just doesn't, doesn't feel like our Toronto or like the real place. So I love how I love how surreal it is because you could interpret this movie so many ways. Hundred percent. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. The one thing I really liked that I noticed was the two towers they focused on a lot that were like they were like kind of like identical towers. I feel like that kind of mirrored the two identical people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who, it was just wow. a really cool thing I noticed while watching. Wow. I, I yeah. saw it that way. Yeah. There's lots of stuff like that throughout the whole movie that symbolized different things, which I really liked. Nice. Yeah. yeah, lots of lots of metaphor. And, um, yeah, you realize, like, the whole film, as far as, like, it's really only just Jake Hall and um, the actress, her name, I'm trying to find it. Uh, sorry. Her name, uh, Melanie Laurent, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Like, there's really only three actors in the whole movie, and uh, mm-hmm. Sarah, Sarah Gordon um, Helen, plays Helen. Unbelievable. And then Jake Gyllenhaal, of course, playing two characters, and it's it's mind-blowing because, um, like, whatever special effects they were using, it's so good. And they're mm-hmm. in the same room together, and um, their personalities are so different, the two of them. But yeah, it's the same guy, but it's just so subtle, yeah. but very... Incredible. Oh yeah, like yeah. a tour de force from Jake Definitely, and the and you're right, Dane. Like the special effects they used to make them identical was really well done. Like there are so many. There's one, that's one way this film could have failed is if they switched the camera to one guy and switched the camera to another guy. But no, they showed mm-hmm. them both of them in the same room together. It's really mm-hmm. impressive. Really, kudos exactly. to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's so true. Yeah, this movie was beautiful. Like I love the love the color in it. The the real like there's a lot of focus on the sort of yellow mm-hmm. and sort of like uh, brown, and it just makes it just makes it seem it's like another like another another planet, and um, it's very um, the way they show. Like I was talking about earlier when we were talking about Toronto. Also, like I love the the choice of architecture. Like they're not showing. Like there's a lot of parts of Toronto that are really beautiful, but they're they're showing the really sort of bland, just apartments after apartments that look identical, and just like there's this really like claustrophobic feeling of of this setting that uh, I just love it because it just it just feels like everything's just like a copy of a copy of a copy, you know, like his his life is really just um, he's sort of playing out like the same cycle. Right, yeah. So I love, I love the symbolism in it. Definitely, yeah. And from my own interpretation of the the spider, I think, yeah, I agree with you too, Jonas. It's kind of saying that's where the enemy title comes into play because I think Jake Gyllenhaal's character he sees enemies in everywhere he meets, and the spider, like you mentioned, Jonas, it kind of it might symbolize as well the female aspect in his life which fits well with black widow spiders because the female black widow when she finds a male she she eats him and she tricks him into loving her and then she eats him so i think that's where that symbolism comes into play how's that for love too as well And it also gets more mind-blowing when you think that Jake Gyllenhaal, who appeared in a movie with spiders, would eventually star as a villain in a Spider-Man movie. So. Oh, I see. That's, that's true. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah, like, Enemy was definitely... It was actually the one of the first few of his films I've seen, and it still delivers every time I watch. And then he would then hit gold more with what I think is his tour de force, prisoners. Mm. Wow! Yeah, that that movie. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so good. Um, another one that I came across kind of randomly, probably four years ago, and uh, I think I watched it. I think I watched it. I was like home alone. I was like twenty nineteen, mm. few years ago. So it's a little bit. I don't know. It's a, it's a scary. It's a scary movie to watch alone mm. because of the, the content of it. But I didn't find it to be scary. I just found it to be really interesting. Um, like it's it's one of those like there's so many um, cliches of, in that genre that it 
takes place in, but it's, it breaks like every cliche, I think, and every trope, and it doesn't fall victim to like a lot of what other movies in this sort of mystery genre uh, fall into. So unbelievable, and it's, I mean, like you have like an unbelievable cast, um, like every character in it is unbelievable, and uh, like Paul Dano in partic- particular, Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of their best performances of their careers too oh yeah definitely and of course this is probably Hugh Jackman's best performance ever like mm-hmm. he really played well being a me- like from being a kind loving family man to just a raging beast who is willing to do anything to find his daughters even if that means losing his humanity so harrowing really so full of rage just like love it yeah and um do, have you had a chance to uh, watch it yet jonas i was going to watch it but then uh it's gonna sound a little weird but i have like uh, extreme phobia of snakes uh, and i look and i knew there was like a snake scene coming so i like didn't i wasn't able to finish the whole film Uh, no worries. That is the one with the snakes, the snakes in it, correct? That's right. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think pretty, pretty briefly, but yeah, it's, it's pretty scary. That uh, that scene is pretty. Mm, yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. If you don't like snakes, definitely don't. <laughs> I know the one scene that I was like, oh, I can't uh, continue on. <laughs> yeah, that that movie is it's so like so dark the atmosphere from the very beginning you just feel like there's just underlying just evil throughout the whole movie and it's very misleading very misleading film like the best films are like this like they they don't if it just was like okay Paul Dano I don't want to spoil too much but okay Paul Dano's character is the creepy guy that would be that would still be a good movie but it's the fact that they they played into this whole character with his relationship with his mom and like the mom actually being the one that was sort of the the real evil one right that was pretty interesting because totally i did i did not see that coming at all and i just spoiled it for people but you can put a spoiler away <laughs> put a spoiler warning for sure yeah yeah like and that's the thing too like we think it was the crazy guy with the glasses that kid that kidnapped those girls but it isn't that's That's another th- one of many things I admire from Denis Villeneuve is that his films, they really are films that don't play by the rules. They're non-conventional films. So when you're watching one of his films, not just Prisoners, but in general, don't expect it to be something familiar. And that's where I think this film succeeded the most at. This film, it's yeah. stressful, an anxiety roller coaster. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. because it yeah because it you know would place on a very familiar fear adult fear like especially this can this film is really can be very hard especially if you're a parent for sure mm-hmm. definitely it's like the worst nightmare for for anyone but it's also like the fact that it it's um You really, you really see like the different reactions from the characters. Um, Hugh Jackman versus, um, oh, why am I forgetting people's names today? 
Hugh Jackman versus um, Jake Gyllenhaal. The other dad. Oh right, the uh, uh, Terrence Howard. The um, the other actor. Yes. Sorry, I forgot his name. Um, yeah, you, you really you really see just like the different uh, different perspectives on things, and then just you see how you know there's there's the, the, the whole philosophical question like how would how would you react in the situation like what what would be the best way to approach this sort of terrible thing happening in your family and, and would anger and vengeance work and I don't know it's just what, what do you think Nick like did you find that to be a pretty interesting dynamic of Hugh Jackman's character you feel like you can support what he's feeling but also you kind of get you kind of become scared of him yes that's in a way in a sense that's a very good question actually yeah that's how I felt whenever I'm whenever I watch this character snap because you understand what he's going through like especially if you've been a parent or lost you lost your children or worse that they've been kidnapped but while his actions his feelings are completely understandable his actions that's where the questions start to come like I, you understand this character but you just don't condone with what he's doing especially when it gets worse when you find out that the man that he thought kidnapped his daughters and that he kept torturing for almost a week was innocent never kidnapped those girls like the consequences will be very severe for him and he'll left exactly. be wondering was it all worth it really like that's some great mm. storytelling I'd say and character work too yeah this all sounds very similar to Sicario near the ending scene mm. if you know what I'm talking about yes oh yeah mm. yeah like yeah both films are very similar to morality is slippery in both of these films there's more black and gray the world isn't always black and white for sure and Villeneuve knows that for sure hey. what did you guys think of it Sicario yeah that film I've, I've seen it but I didn't I don't think I watched it to the end for some reason so that's my problem <laughs> I missed Christ. the ending but I, I really liked what I what I saw up until the point I, I somehow I didn't finish it. But um, that's there's similar there's a similar tone. Like it's like very um, the sense of dread. It's just like prisoners and Cesario. It's just like it's just like you feel like there's just there's nothing good that's going to come out of this situation. <laughs> it's going to get worse, and there's really no like there's no I guess triumph for the characters in the end in my opinion like it's just bittersweet kind of a, it's a gloom fest for sure <laughs> but yeah, yeah really, really good I, I love I love the aesthetic of sorry like the and like the cinematography I like how it uses kind of yellow and green and um, I mean which is pretty common for like a lot of films it's funny like a lot of films set in, in Mexico they always like to kind of add this like yellow filter to make it look warmer or something which I've heard a lot of people criticize and I agree like, but for this movie it works it mm. works for this movie like, that's the tone that's the, that's the look that works for it and yeah like I kind of felt like this movie might fall into some problem being too yeah like 
not not breaking the sort of genre finds itself in enough but i think it did honestly i think it, it definitely surpassed the sort of standard of what to expect from this genre so mm-hmm. i think so too that was that was amazing Yeah, yeah. And that's another, about Sicario, that's one of the many traits I like from Villeneuve's film is that how his films are always, they always cut to the chase. They always hook you right from the very beginning. And the first thing of Sicario, we already have a bunch of sick agents just going into a house filled with corpses and then there's an explosion it really it sets the mood of the film prepares the audience for the horror that awaits them really like that really well done and yeah and to your point then yeah the the color palette it really helps to tell the story notice how it changes from yellow to green the color becomes the color scheme becomes stronger too you know, as the characters are going into a hell, that into a new world, mm. a much darker, bleaker world. Love that so much. Exactly. Yeah, I, I especially really like, everything happens so fast and it's so messy, right? Like, in a lot of action, action movies, there's it's, it just seems so sort of controlled. Like, it seems like the characters have too much time to react and there's just like, you know, people, just bullets somehow miss people and hits everyone else. But like this movie, it feels like literally every character, like at any second could be a victim of, mm-hmm. of dying because it's just, the movie just happens so fast and it's so unpredictable exactly. and very realistic in that sense. Like it just goes at the characters constantly mm, and yes. in a very, very terrifying way. So it's pretty, pretty interesting, pretty interesting movie. Oh yes. And it plays on a very relevant and ongoing conflict, which is the war on drugs. Yeah, I did an essay and presentation about this earlier. And yeah, it shows that side that the war on drugs really is an unwinnable conflict. Like, it's pointless. Like, it will only cause more death and violence. It shows the, the horrors of war, how it creates, it destroys exactly. more than it creates. What, did you, what do you guys think? Yeah. Sorry, I should maybe let... Yeah. I'll, I'll let Jones go first. <laughs> I would say I definitely agree. And you can see that message throughout the entire film where they both just become one another. Like, the drug lord who killed the guy's family ends up getting his family killed by the, uh, um, the like, kind of mercenary... The Sicario, basically. The mercenary. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was also the line he said where he said that the soldiers aren't any different they don't do any different things than the drug lords are doing they're both just two equal evils when they Mm -hmm. during the conflict that's true yeah like not so different yeah Yeah. i'm really i'm really impressed by the the troop for actually telling the story in a very like objective way like because a lot of a lot of movies that are super americanized about the same topic they 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 cling to the hero like the hero of the americans going to to save the world that whole idea and and for for most people outside of the u.s like that's just not the perspective for people who have experienced um sort of like u.s intervention right it's 
they have a much different perspective on what actually has happened in their countries, right? So um, a lot of people have been sinned. So it's it's really objective and it's, it's very honest there in how they treat both sides of this war. So I'm really impressed by him for actually being brave enough to do that because not enough people are, are making movies like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Really. I guess that's probably because he, he is from that. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. You go first. You go first. You go first. <laughs> probably because he is, you know, he's from Canada, so like he has a different viewpoint of the conflict than, say, an American director, which is really, really interesting. Not to say like there's there's American directors who criticized it themselves, but I think um, yeah, Denis Villeneuve is is from a unique part of the world, being from Canada, so he has a different take on it, which is really refreshing. To see that. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I really, I also really appreciate what he, how he showed both sides. You know, the DEA and the cartel that both are just as bad as the other. Which, well, one is more the lesser of two evils. The DEA is the lesser of two evils. I'd say. Like, I love how there are no actual heroes. Or villains in the story. Well, heroes, I'd say, because sometimes I think the message of this film, the theme, I'd say, is that sometimes it takes a monster to defeat a monster. And that's the only way to that this war can be resolved. And that that ending scene, Jonas, you know, where the kids are playing soccer, you know, and they suddenly hear a gunshot. That was symbolic very well done it shows that yeah the war on drugs really is a pointless war there's still more death and violence and at this point the people have already gotten used to the violence that they it's basically their way of life now and there's nothing that can stop it it's a very very pessimistic but brutally honest side of reality where there is just no easy answer Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a conflict that, uh, yeah, that's really like every policy that's been enacted on it failed, has failed the situation. And, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's just like an endless, endless, um, just cycle. So I, I guess it just really points out the flaws in the approach to it and, really doesn't paint anyone as, as purely like morally just or morally unjust and just everyone, well not everyone, but both sides have been at fault for, for the situation getting out of hand, so. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, after his, and let's talk about his next film, which is the one that's right behind me, Arrival, like that is really, a, gr- a chill pill after the bleak, dark tone of his last two films. Arrival is probably Villeneuve's more softer and lighthearted film, I'd say. What did you guys think of Arrival? I personally really, really liked it. I'd say it's my second favorite Denis Villeneuve film. Ooh. It's just, all together, it's just a really great movie. It starts off like uh kind of sad and then her life progressively just gets um better and better and like by the end it's just like uh really great ending yes but the whole movie is just the sound effects and everything of the aliens is just really amazing Mm -hmm. yeah 
Exactly. Yeah. I agree. I, I think um, it's probably one of the most uh, unique look at um, aliens and what they could look like because I think too many movies try to humanize, humanize them by yeah. yeah by giving them features that we would be able to decipher. But this is really they look they're like aliens because you don't understand how they communicate or how they even function as like creatures so really good that way of just totally breaking down the barriers of um, what aliens are represented as on screen so i think it's probably i would say if aliens are real it would probably be similar to arrival yeah (laughs) something pretty similar exactly yeah but that's just theory that's just my theory but right yeah and it really delivered a a good thoughtful message too about how we should not never judge a book by its cover because while the aliens or abbott and costello as they're called even though they're you know like these giant creatures with tentacles they are not malicious they're actually quite benevolent creatures who want to help humankind but people are afraid of what they don't understand so it's really up to someone and to one woman to help them change their mind their hearts really love that message the film went for mm. i feel like oh sorry go oh, ahead. No, no, no. oh no you go ahead you go ahead all right i said i was trying to say uh it was a very realistic feeling of like what would actually happen if aliens came down like with the very reactive and scared um like reactions of humankind would have if the aliens actually came to earth Mm -hmm. i feel like it was like a realistic depiction of what it would actually look like and how the government would react Mm -hmm. um yeah, it's like, uh, why why would they automatically be, you know, dangerous just because they're different and uh, not from this world? So it's it really just just shows the, the problems with humanity that we, we, we don't trust uh, what we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And we assume the worst in what we don't understand. So exactly, yeah. But a big human flaw that we all have, or some people more than others, but like in general, right? Like we all kind of judge something we don't understand. So. Um, yeah, I think that's really, uh, really unexpectedly nice message in it. Like, I, I wasn't sure what would be the sort of message I would get from it, but really different from what I expected. But I think it's a necessary one, really, really important. So, yeah, and also in a way, this film is pretty analogous to the topic of immigration i'd say how sometimes because some the aliens speak in a different language and i think it's the implication that sometimes people also fear what they don't understand because it, they speak a different language which is and those who are alien to them basically and i love how this film is be it's saying that without of course being beating us all over the head with it Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's um, also I love with the rival. I love the just the build up to them actually, um, like meeting the aliens because it's just it, it's it's so it's it's better than a lot of other movies that build up because it actually feels it feels real 
kind of similar to sort of the in my in my opinion like kind of the beginnings of the coronavirus in march and february it felt like like the same sort of thing where it's just everyone is sort of watching the situation unfold and you kind of think no this won't happen and then all of a sudden it happens and you're like dealt you're having to deal with the situation but it, it shows sort of like the way the media would would handle it and um just the general public i think is really it's really good in that way agreed yeah also and um i really like the actual like arrival of the aliens like from the title but the, <laughs> the arrival of the, the ship that they're in or whatever it is it's, it's really quite beautiful yes yeah it's not what uh, what is usually depicted in alien films either so that's yeah really cool what, what do you guys see that as uh, like kind of like a i don't know what it what it looks like but it looks like a giant football Let's see <laughs> yeah it kind of does yeah looks like it's like rock or something or like or like metal or but it's really that might have something to do with uh the planet like the planet they come from probably has different properties than earth so it's probably like i'm guessing these things don't just i'm guessing like the air there or something they kind of swim around in their environment like they do in the large tanks so mm. i'm guessing that's how their environment would be able to sustain those like heavy rock things and allow them to f- uh, where they come from mm. that's interesting yeah yeah and i love i love the tunnel like with the white the mm. white entrance and they when they're standing and it's just it just looks so beautiful like those shots are really really nice with everyone wearing the orange suits and then like the just the tunnel there and the white light those are some of the best shots i think in the whole film oh yeah like this film is beautifully shot too i love i especially love that shot with the the aliens spaceship or pod and the whole white fog is coming from behind them that's really iconic one of the best shots of the decade i'd say yeah Absolutely. Yeah, like I think inside the rock. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You go first. We're gonna see something. Oh me? Uh yes, both of you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was finished, but sorry, sorry. Oh. Um, I was. I can ask. Uh, what did you think about like? I it was a while since I've seen the movie, but I seem to remember like the beginning could have been either like actually in the at the before the arrival of the aliens or it could have been implied that it was after the arrival of the aliens like i'm not entirely sure but uh, i'm pretty sure that's what i remember when i watched it like when it goes through the storyline with her daughter that she had all right that's true yeah yeah it could be either way i think yeah which is actually kind of interesting i didn't i didn't think about that but yeah um yeah and I, do you remember do you remember that element Nick uh I think that it started yeah with the shot shots of her and her daughter in her last moments before it cuts to the arrival of the alien like it really helps the I which I also love that part of the story which is even though it's a tale about aliens it also tells a very human tale a human story as well about saving the ones you love it's just 
god, like this movie is yeah. really a huge break from Villeneuve's last films, I'd say. It's it's really good too. Like it can all always be dark and bleak. Sometimes we need to take a chill pill sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's different. Like yeah, I mean, judging by the endings of uh, his other films, like this is very, yeah, much much more hopeful. I think, which I don't think his other films were like super depressing or anything. I just think they're more. They they ended on a note that was very um, thought provoking and uh, kind of kind of dark. But I think not not in like a bad way, but just like it made you feel something and then you kind of had to think about it for a while. Whereas like this movie, there yeah, there is more of an optimistic outlook, which is which is interesting. So he definitely surprises every time. You just never know. Oh yeah. Every, yeah. Like every every setting will be different, every ending will be different, so it's it's amazing. That's right. Yeah. And to your point, yeah, like his film really is a realistic depiction of what would extraterrestrial life look like on Earth, which isn't surprising because Villeneuve, he used to, he studied years of science before he, he dropped out and transferred into film. So yeah, I think he really, the man really is, he revolutionized science fiction for the modern audiences too, I'd say. And that would prove to be true with his next film, Blade Runner 2049. Just, wow, I I love this movie. It's love it. This is one of the few films that I really regret not seeing in the theaters because it's it's beautiful. Everything about it's it's like a masterpiece. Every minute is just scenery porn and... A really great storytelling. One of the best sequels out there. It manages to be a great successor to Blade Runner while also be its own film, too. Just, wow. What were your thoughts on it, guys? I'll start with you, Jonas, since you mentioned this is your favorite by DV. Yeah. I would say I I really, really loved it. It was, I would say it's even better than the original Blade Runner. I found this one just more like I was like more drawn into the what was happening and the whole and like just the beautiful shots and everything with the original Blade Runner I found it was like a little slow if you guys have seen it <laughs> this one I feel even like the slower moment I was still like really attached to the screen especially like watching it in theaters it was just a great experience definitely yeah. uh, I bet it must have been better in IMAX too huh I can't remember if I saw in IMAX or in the normal theater, but yeah, either way, it was really, really good. Nice, man. Your thoughts, Dane? Yeah, I am a huge fan of the original film. Like, So uh, seeing this three years ago, I, well, I saw it two years ago. I saw I didn't see it in a good uh, proper sound surround. I was on a plane. I was on a plane from Mexico City to Columbia, so I... I was in. I had a beautiful television. And I had a little. It's like actually being in a theater, but it was a memorable experience watching it on the plane because it kind of it fit it fit the mood. It fit the mood of that situation. But um, uh, I loved it. I loved it. Like the the photography is unbelievable. Twenty forty nine. Um, I didn't get to the end because my flight. You know, I kind of I didn't have enough time, but I. 
will be watching it again. I've watched like analysis on it like five times, and so I feel like I've seen it even though I didn't watch it to the end, which is kind of a shameful thing to say. But the, the original movie is one of my favorites of all time, so I, I wasn't disappointed at all. It, it held up. Um, I, I don't know like which one it's. Well, it was a sequel, so it's not like a remake, but um, I don't know which one I like better yet. I need to watch 2049 fully, but yeah, uh, Blade Runner from 1982, that's like one of the most impactful movies that I've ever seen as far as like being in high school and um, watching that in film class and just being amazed by it and the style and the aesthetic of it. It's inspired so many other movies and it's, um, I mean, even musicians, artists, they, so many artists you can tell get a lot of inspiration from music videos. Um, like The Weeknd in particular, I think he really, he really was influenced by it, particularly with his album, Kissland. Um, that's besides the point, but like you see it in pop culture and other places, like a lot of the, the cinematography and the style and the sort of dystopia of Los Angeles and the future, which in the original, in the first Blade Runner, I think is only what, 20 something? 20, 20 it was like 2019. years ago, uh, right. 2018 or something. 2019, yeah. <laughs> wow. 2019, yeah, 2019. So we're not quite at that point, but I mean, like, we might as well be with the situation this year, but it doesn't look quite as uh, dystopian, which is probably a good thing. But <laughs> it does look great in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a film that... I, love the, I just love the look. That's right. Yeah, me too. It's one of my favorite sci-fi films, actually, having recently seen it. it's Both films are definitely masterpieces that will not be forgotten anytime soon, like Tears in the Rain. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, it's beautiful. Like, uh, uh, Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, 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 no worries. You go first. You go first. <laughs> go first. <laughs> sorry, I was going to say, it's a beautiful movie. Like, that quote, Tear, like, Tears in the Rain, like, it's it's so deep, the original movie. And I think the the new one also is quite deep. I need to watch it fully, but there, there's, like, very... It's very human, like, the actual... Um, just the message of it, but it's, it's so uh, artificial. Like, there's, like, the artificial human mm. divide, which I think is just so interesting in both films oh yeah sorry for interrupting you oh no worries no worries so good like yeah that, like to your point like yes Blade Runner both films are even though they're films about androids or replicants the heart of the film mm-hmm. the message is what does it mean to be human and mm-hmm. it shows that as the replicants despite being you know artificial and inorganic understand what it is to be human they are more human than the actual humans in fact it keeps being mentioned in 2049 yeah like this film god i i can't believe i didn't see this film sooner it's it's beautiful it's breathtaking for sure really is it's it's kind of to me it's almost like like you know you i think you guys both know her is one of my favorite movies of all time maybe number one of the decade so it's kind of like it's like a darker more um sci-fi version of her in a way the new 2049 like it's mm. very similar you get similar feelings from it like it's a world that you can almost relate to to like the, just the technology overload of our current society with her and with with maybe the newer blade runners maybe yeah. like i don't know the world's not quite like that but it's just it, it is just so it's not a world you want to live in so it kind of it makes you afraid of the future i think 
does. But it's you can't help but just get like sucked into this world that is presented. It's just really interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like you said, like the whole idea of um, essentially, you know, they're Harrison Ford and uh, mm. the other humans being the hunters. They they've become they become like you said the the robotic uh, just objectives that they'll never stop to do their objective and in that process they lose their humanity and you know it's such an interesting um just comparison how exactly if you become too obsessed with your role as a person you basically become no different than a than a replicant right so mm, that's true yeah yeah and what really another thing about this film that really sold me was I love the color palette. It's like watching this film, it's like stepping into a painting, basically. Just it's yeah. impressive. Impressive, really. Like any more yeah. thoughts about this film, Jonas? Because I know it's your favorite. So Yeah. I would both of these, both Blade Runners really comment on like the human need to just create something identical to them, which I think is really cool. Like we all have the need to like make a simulation and then like go into that simulation such as with, like video games and stuff right now so I feel like I really like the comment on like building something that's even more human than human is like the ultimate drive for like our species so I feel like I really love that like both movies comment on that and then there's like the question is it like poses the question if like they're both like or like uh, i don't know how to say this uh like what makes someone human kind of if that makes sense like mm. if the replicants can think exactly like humans and even above humans why aren't they considered human and yeah you know what i mean exactly yeah like with uh, a lot of good movies like some of my favorite movies ex, uh, ex machina also mm. it touches on very similar themes of just um artificial intelligence and at a certain point we'll have to start to accept them as as humans if they can feel the same as us and they are as intelligent as us and, and especially the human emotions and feelings like what separates us from something else in that way so it's, it's really like understanding also in a way like a rival too like understanding the other or understanding someone something different from you so there's some parallels there but uh, yeah it does it does it in a new way from from ex machina and arrival but it's it's a, it's much scarier in blade runner 2049 i think even even more than ex machina maybe in, in some ways it's more scary <laughs> True, <laughs> i think yeah. so yeah and yeah. Villeneuve was really a great, a perfect choice to direct this film, given his knowledge in sci-fi. And not to mention, Blade Runner was probably the number one film that that inspired his passion to be part of the ever-growing world of cinema. And this film is one that won't be forgotten anytime soon. Never. Never. Ever. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> and... I mean, like, you... Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, you go first. You go first. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, who do you guys think was, like, obviously Ryan Gosling was, like, the, the steal of the whole film. He was just, he's so good. But what, what was, like, the best performance in the film, do you think, was Harrison Ford, Ryan Gosling? Um, who, who do you think stole the, the movie for you? 
I would say 100% Ryan Gosling. But he often mm. does play the same, like a similar character in all of his movies, like Drive, he kind of plays like the silent character. But either in he still is like um, amazing actor, and he plays that role to the highest. Yeah, I agree. And he's very good at playing this sort of um, very mysterious character. Doesn't express a lot of emotion. Well, he expresses emotion through his facial expressions, but he doesn't can like communicate a lot of actual words or, or language that you would get to understand him more. But you don't even really need that because he is such a he is a very human actor. Like you can really read his face, and I mean he's one of my favorites of all time. And, uh, like he he does he does this style of film so well with Drive and um, now Blade Runner twenty four nine even others so great yeah yeah, yeah. to watch it fully though like he really despite playing what is technically an android he really shows a lot of humanity in him that's really well done but trying to balance both the artificial and the organic really one of his mm-hmm. best performances i'd say since either drive or the place beyond the pines i'd say well done mm-hmm. and harrison ford did really good a good job returning to his iconic role in blade runner he's barely in the film mm-hmm. doesn't show up until the second act but he really made the most with his limited screen time i'd say because it makes sense because it's Blade Runner, yes, but it's more about Ryan Gosling and Kay's story and not Deckard's story. I love how they mm-hmm. did that, too. Exactly. Yeah, it is, I, I think, I don't know if they really promoted Harrison Ford being in it at first, so I think that was sort of really interesting. I, mean, I don't know if people really knew for sure until it was like actually properly released and marketed, but that was really that was great I'm glad they, they brought him into it because um, yeah you're bridging the two the two movies and the two stories and uh, it would feel kind of like incomplete I think without having the older Harrison Ford in it because yeah he was he was so iconic from the original from Blade Runner so you needed him in it so that's really great that was yeah. Jared Leto's performance was Ooh. I was surprised how short it was it was just like <laughs> he was barely on the screen yeah <laughs> But he, he, I expect a lot more from him on screen, but his performance was still pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, true. He really delivered an amazing and creepy villain as well. Like, his character has a bit of a, a god complex since he calls his own underlings angels and he sees himself as a creator of androids. Like, really one of Leto's best performances too yeah he really should play more villains yeah. I'd say oh, yeah. yeah he he he's it's interesting like he took a turn like he, he usually morphed into some like really different character in past films like in Repping for a Dream or in, uh, Mr. Nobody etc but this the recent years he's and I mean with Suicide Squad not to go off track but I mean like you, you, you guys probably like I, I haven't seen the movie but I'm not I'm not excited to, to even maybe see it but I, <laughs> I really like Jared Leto's uh, performance so I think it's it's good that he's finally starting to like build up other stuff beyond Suicide Squad since that because his career before that was really good but uh, <laughs> I think Blade Runner helped redeem him a little bit oh yeah that. I did 
definitely for sure suicide squad sort of people really obsessed over his performance in that which was kind of unfair Mm -hmm. it's true yeah and since we are past our mark it's time to get to the ranking your top three favorite Villeneuve films and your favorite scenes from each of them let's start with you JW um I would say number three pick is Enemy. My favorite scene from that would be the ending scene because it just mm-hmm. uh, really shocked me and made me want to look up what the movie was really about and the intentions behind it. Number two, I would say, is Arrival. My favorite scene would be when they're going up the tunnel thing into the spaceship mm-hmm. and it kind of like changes uh... and then number one is Blade Runner 2049 yes nice. that one I'll have to think for a second of my favorite scene I kind of like the whole uh, if I had to pick one specific one it would be when he's going towards that kind of like factory in the middle of nowhere when he's walking towards it all the coloring and all that is really amazing the like orange coloration is just i would say that's my favorite scene nice all good choices too man Mm. moving on to you dm okay for favorite scenes i would so number three i'd probably go with um probably from prisoners um favorite scene I don't know. I don't know. This I should have picked a more specific. I just felt like prisoners in general, but um, I really like like that nighttime gas station scene where uh, mm-hmm. Jake and Hall. No, I can't remember who's. Yeah, I think it was Jake and Hall. Oh, in yeah. the rain, I think he, he approaches uh, Paul Dano's character at night by the forest. I, I'm forgetting like the specifics of the scene, but just the the mood and the the cinematography, and that's so good. And yeah, I, I love films. I love films like that are in the rain. Like there's something about rain in any scene if it's done well that just looks so good. Eighth of action of light and everything. So that scene really stands out. Is just it's also one of the creepiest scenes I think too. Um, number two, I would probably go with from Enemy. Um, I really love all of the shots of the giant spider just walking through downtown Toronto and just really, really cool, iconic. You see the lake behind, just just so interesting. Like knowing Toronto as a city in Canada, the biggest city in Canada, but then seeing it in this lens with this giant spider walking through it, it's just really, now you'll never look at Toronto the same way, I think, if you were to go there or see it in photo. Like, your brain would probably thinking of enemy some scenes from enemy so i think that's really interesting that they took a iconic city in canada and really did something cinematic with it that's really unique so that was really interesting um and then number one maybe in sendies i would go with um there's a lot of good scenes from that movie but maybe one of the most heartbreaking scenes would be uh oh I don't know. I, I feel like the the, ten, the intensity of that bus scene mm, is just yes. like few few movies have been able to just show 
just like how scary it would be to be in that situation of being attacked by like gunmen on the road. I think it's really it's like a traumatizing scene, but it, it doesn't shy away from the reality of how, how horrible that scene would be, right? To be involved in. So, yeah, that's that's probably my number one. Good choice, man. All of you, both of you, really amazing choices too. Because that just Thanks, leaves. Man. I'm excited for yours. Thanks. I guess it just leaves me. So, for number three, I'll give this one to Arrival. Favorite scene would have to be where Amy Adams' character, uh, Louise, she talks to the aliens for the first time, where she shows them on the piece of paper, human, and they ink, they communicate by spurting ink from their tentacles, creating this symbol right here. Like, really, it would have been... There's one way this film would have failed is if the aliens actually spoke like directly instead of showing these messages. Can you can can you imagine if they just started to talk like, "Hello," <laughs> that would be not very dramatic. Huh? But yeah, like it's really the build up to it is amazing, and the spe the special effects used to achieve this symbol still hold up today. Really great stuff. That's my number three. At number two, my second favorite is Prisoners. And my favorite would have to be the scene where they find the snakes. Because that was so unexpected. Like, it's one of the most very traumatic experiences in a film that is already known for being a roller coaster, a domino pile of pure agony. It was scary, yes, and really stressful, but it was that same stress why it elevated in my second place. And for my number one, Blade Runner 2049. And my favorite scene has to be where um, Kay, Ryan Gosling's character, is walking into that bridge in the rain. And that the giant hologram of the woman basically starts talking to him, saying, comforting him, saying how he must feel so alone, basically trying to cheer him up, but not, it doesn't work. Like, really, it really shows, aside from it being a beautifully shot scene, it also helps to establish the character of Ryan Gosling, how he's went through so much at this point, and but nothing will still stop him from completing his mission it's really beautifully shot very greatly acted despite a few dialogue just perfect like blade runner is just the pinnacle of villeneuve's work and it's his most recent film too as well really well done yes and that's my list great list you guys that's awesome thank you thank you and so many choices though Oh yeah, for sure. It, that was really interesting to think about. That's right. And uh, that looks like that's all the time we have left for today's chapter. Thank you so much, Dane and Jonas, for making it here today. Thank you for having me. You die. Thank you so much, Nick. This was another great episode, and I can't wait to uh, see more Denis Villeneuve, and hopefully. Hopefully we can all go to the cinema the next time for this mm -hmm. next film. That'd be, that'd be really nice. Yes. 
That'll be Dune in October next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gonna worry. Another year, but we'll we'll get there eventually. We'll be back to being able to do those things. I'm sure we will. We will, man. Yeah. And also, uh, thank you so much, Dane, for introducing me earlier. The work of D- Denis Villeneuve, like. There's just something about his films that click. He's like a Canadian Christopher Nolan. Like his films really original story, great actors, beautifully shot scenes. And on a higher note, he also showed me the possibilities of entering into the world of cinema here in Canada. For that, I thank him. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And definitely. Sorry. And uh, this has been Sin City, live for CMRU.ca. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Manessis. This was your co-host, Dane McLean. Thank you guys so much for coming today. Yes. Uh, for listening. I hope you have a great weekend and uh, enjoy the rest of 2020 as best as you can. Yes. So long and have an early Merry Christmas too. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. See you soon.